Hello and welcome to another Kangaroo English Daily Digest podcast. My name is Christian and today is Tuesday, the best day of the week. <laughs> In the previous uh, Daily Digest, I talked a lot about kind of the philosophy of language and how it was really important to learn culture when you're learning language. And I also talked about animal languages and alien languages and how animals and maybe aliens might communicate in weird and wonderful ways. And I talked a lot about sound, how you know, we, we can communicate as humans and how animals can also communicate with sound. But I got a, mess- a lot of messages from people saying, well, Christian, you know, sound is not the only way that, that animals can communicate. And they're absolutely right. Um, scientists have actually spent a lot of time thinking about how we can communicate in ways other than with sound. If you've watched the film Arrival, then you saw that the aliens in that film communicated with those weird kind of smoky, circular uh, symbols. Uh, And also these kind of low rumbling kind of sounds like vibrations. And so that they are some other nonverbal ways that aliens or animals can communicate. They might also emit chemicals. They might also communicate with light or sounds that are outside of the human frequency, like ultrasonic sounds. Or they might communicate with ultraviolet light, which we can't perceive. Or again, with with chemicals that we can't, you know, we have no receptors for these chemicals. So animals and aliens might communicate in ways that we have actually no physical ability to even perceive, which makes, which makes this whole subject very interesting. But one type of kind of nonverbal communication that we have here on Earth with, with humans that's very popular and common is, of course, sign language. And sign language... I've talked about this before, but there's not just one sign language. There's various sign languages um, all over the world. And they are all very complete and rich languages that are able to communicate everything that spoken language does. And I have this really great piece of research here um, published just very recently, um, published this year, Uh, from the uh, Cerebral Cortex Journal, and it's called Language Without Speech, Segregating Distinct Circuits in the Human Brain. Now, what's really important about this research is that they proved that people who use and comprehend sign language use exactly the same parts of the brain as people who use and comprehend spoken language. And this brings me on to the next paper I want to talk about from J. Neurosci, okay, the Journal of Neuroscience, called um, 
the representation of semantic information across human cerebral cortex during listening versus reading is invariant to stimulus modality. And basically what they showed, um, well, let me read. We show that although the representation of semantic information in the brain is quite complex, the semantic representations evoked by listening versus reading are almost identical. And so both of these papers, so sign language versus spoken language, or reading versus listening, they light up exactly the same parts of the brain. And what it tells us, and, and this is what I said in the previous Daily Digest, it tells us that our brains don't really care about the form of language. Our brains are only really interested in the message, in the concept. So that's why it's so important when you're learning a language to incorporate learning how to think. Learning in general, having something to say. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Nobody cares if your language is perfect if you've got nothing to say. So you really must spend time focusing on having a message rather than having perfect English. And this, this kind of brings me on to, on to the next question because if we're talking about um, kind of language and the way that we think, it... it Inevitably, it brings us on to culture. And also, in the previous Daily Digest, I said that learning culture is a really important part of learning a language. But why can culture affect the way that you think, the way that you see the world? Can language affect the way that you think and affect the way that you see the world? And... The answer to both of these questions is yes, obviously, but not in the way that you might expect, not in the way that they show in the film Arrival, for example. Um, and so I want to start by talking about some work, some, some research from 2002 from Lyra Boroditsky and, and her colleagues. And it was about masculine and feminine gendered nouns. So some languages, and not including English, but some languages have um, gendered language. So they have masculine and feminine adjectives and nouns. Um, but this has no relation to biological gender, okay? Because there are also other types of grammatical gender. For example, you could have animate and inanimate or you can also have neuter, so things that have no gender. And Boroditsky and her colleagues, though, they, they wanted to ask the question, well, since people inevitably relate grammatical gender and biological gender, does this affect the way that they see objects? And so they conducted a, a very simple experiment. Okay, This is what they did. Let me read. They... They created a list of 24 object names that had opposite grammatical genders in Spanish and German. Half were masculine and half feminine in each language. 
and then they asked a group of native Spanish speakers and another group of native German speakers to write down the first three adjectives that came to mind to describe each object on the list. And so one example was the word key. So key is masculine in German, but it's feminine in Spanish. And also bridge. So bridge is the opposite. Bridge is feminine in German, but masculine in Spanish. And they asked them to write down the first three adjectives. And these were the results. As predicted, Spanish and German speakers generated adjectives that were rated more masculine for items whose names were grammatically masculine in their native language than for items whose names were grammatically feminine. For example, German speakers responded with male-related adjectives for the word key with adjectives like hard, heavy, jagged, metal, serrated, and useful. Masculine adjectives. And the Spanish speakers, where, where key is feminine, they responded with female-related adjectives like golden, intricate, little, lovely, shiny and tiny and they proved therefore that there was an influence on grammatical gender and the way that you think about these objects or did they <laughs> now there's a couple of interesting things here the first one is that this research was never actually um, properly published it was only referred to in their other work. And in 2014, a group of researchers, Anne Mikken, Marin Shifke, and Anatol Stefanovich, they tried to replicate the experiment in two different ways, and they failed to replicate the experiment. Um, they said that uh, let's see, this, this suggests that the results of the original experiment were either an artifact of some non-documented aspect of the experimental procedure or a statistical fluke. Now, this is interesting for one reason. One is because it, well, it shows that maybe it's not true that grammatical gender influences your way of thinking about objects. But it's interesting for another reason, because if we think about the original question, it's a flawed question. Because the adjectives hard, heavy, jagged, and metal, and serrated, and useful are apparently masculine adjectives. And golden, intricate, little, lovely, shiny, and tiny are apparently female adjectives. Well, says who? Clearly, whether you think that those adjective characteristics are masculine or feminine depend on your culture. They are not objective facts. They are based in your culture, the way that you were raised. Apparently, men are hard and heavy, and women are intricate and little and lovely. Well, that might be true for you, but that might not be true for somebody else in a different culture. And it's certainly not true as an empirical fact. So really, by asking people if the object 
is hard or heavy, is they is that masculine for a German person? Well, that probably just reflects aspects of German culture. And the fact that Spanish people think a key is little and lovely tells us more about Spanish culture than it does about Spanish language. And that simple fact seems to be completely overlooked. But it's a really important thing for you to consider when you're learning a language, and I'll tell you why. Because if you do want to use the word key as a kind of German speaker, if you do want to use the word key as a kind of Spanish speaker, then you need to understand the way that Spanish people and German people perceive keys and look at them. What's their perspective on that? And without having that perspective, you're never really going to be able to use the language in a fluent way. And I'm going to show you two more, <laughs> two more kind of practical examples from two kind of strange and maybe unexpected sources. And the first one is the language of the Rastafaris. Um, so the Rastafaris, this is a religious group that live in Jamaica and also in, in parts of Africa, in Ethiopia, for example. And they speak a language called Iaric, also known as Livelect Dread Talk or Italk. And this language is a kind of modified version of English. And it has some really kind of wonderful and interesting characteristics. And one of those is that, well, let me read. The word I replaces the word me. So if you know about English pronouns, then you know that uh, I is, well, <laughs> there's some controversy about this, but I is the subject pronoun and me is the object pronoun. So we tend to use I in the subject in the um, subject position, and we use me in the object position. For example, I gave you the book. I gave you the book. But if we reverse the sentence, the pronoun changes. You gave me the book. And in the Rastafari language, in Iaric, they never use the word me. But why? Listen to this. Me is perceived to turn the person into an object, whereas I emphasizes the subjectivity of an individual. They've made a conscious choice in the language to not use the object pronoun so that they don't feel like an object. They want to perceive the world in a, in a subjective way and to be subjected and to be subjugated to God. And this is an example of how the culture affects the language. And think about this. Imagine if you grew up in a Rastafari culture and you never used the word me, how that would change the way that you think about yourself as a person and your place in the world and how it affects your feelings about being objectified. 
And if you wanted to go in and learn Earic and, you know, speak this Rastafari language fluently, then you would need to understand that aspect of the culture. You would need to understand why it's important to not use me and then how that affects the all the other aspects of the language and the culture. And without that knowledge, you'll you'll never get fluency. And the second example is is something a bit more practical, something from a very, very modern uh, debate which is happening right now about gender equality and equality amongst LGBT people. And uh, there's this great piece of research that was published uh, on the 1st of July this year. Uh, Language influences mass opinion towards gender and LGBT equality. So listen to this. To improve gender equality and tolerance towards lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender communities, several nations have promoted the use of gender-neutral pronouns and words. Do these linguistic devices actually reduce biases that favor men over women, gays, lesbian, and transgender individuals? And the results were, the evidence shows that compared with masculine pronouns, the use of gender-neutral pronouns decreases the mental salience of males. So basically, by changing the words you use to describe people, it changes the way that you perceive the entire construction of society and it reduces inequality and discrimination and bias and only by making a tiny change in language and there are lots of other examples i think that nobody can deny that you know using sexist language in the workplace in government you know with your grandma using that kind of language is not acceptable and by changing the language we use it changes the way that we think it's an obvious and important point and it shows how powerful tiny words can be at at influencing culture and how important it is to incorporate understanding culture into your language learning I hope that you enjoyed today's Daily Digest. If you would like to support this podcast, you can become my patron at Patreon. You'll find the link to that, also my YouTube channel, uh, Instagram and Facebook group, all on my website at kangarooenglish.com. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Christian. This is Kangaroo English, and I'll see you in class. studying.